This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. It was 60 minutes of just sheer will and compete. To win in this league, that's what you need. When you make the playoffs, you need it from everybody, and the players gave it. And they get all the credit in the world, and they stayed in the fight, and they worked their tails off, they were rewarded for it. To close teams out, especially one as talented and well-coached as Florida was, you don't want to risk going to Game 7. It's a hell of a team over there, and but the boys played like champions today. Boy, did they ever play like champions, John Cooper. That was their best game, and they saved it for the clinching game last night at Amelie Arena. Tampa Bay coming away with a 4 nothing win over the Florida Panthers. They win that best of seven, four games to two. They advance. And now they wait patiently as Carolina and Nashville do battle. And let's hope that goes seven games and they beat each other up a bit more and maybe throw in a couple of overtime games as well (laughs) as the Lightning have some rest. They've already had three. I know. Why not? Let's make it a couple more and let it be fun. You know, Dave, there's a saying in life, as you know, what's the the constant in life? Death and 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 taxes. taxes, right? I think for the Lightning... The constant in this order will be Andre Vasilevsky, Braden Points, and Nikita Kucherov. And maybe you can switch up that order, but let's put Vasi at the top because the Lightning are always, in my opinion, going to have an advantage in any series with these three guys basically in the prime of their careers. And when the chips were down, when they needed to come through and perform on the brightest stage, the most difficult stage, they did that last night. Vasilevsky was once again outstanding, and Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov on Braden Point's goal. It looked like something from a video game where you got the super speed for Braden Point, who just accelerated past the defenders and had really an unbelievable goal. Kucherov was a magician in this series, particularly on the power play. And as long as those three guys, Dave, are playing at a pretty high level, and I know there's some other guys we can mention, but those three guys especially, the Lightning are a handful to beat, and that's why it's hard to beat this team the way it's constructed in a best-of-seven. The Panthers were a really good team. I think we all acknowledge that, and we're going to get into what their stakes look like moving forward. The Lightning took their best punch, Dave, and it wasn't always pretty. But last night, that was, I thought, their most complete effort, particularly on the defensive side. Then you factor in their big game players came up in a very big way, and it was enough to advance. And it was uh, John Cooper should be proud of his team because that was fun to watch last night. Well, I got to say, first of all, props to you because on the show yesterday, you said, first of all, you felt the Lightning would deliver a terrific performance. I think you, you said, I feel they're going to win. Yeah. If you didn't say that, you you incline you were inclined to believe that they would play really really well. Steve, let's go to the tape. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to go remember ahead. exactly That's how it. you put That's it, but you basically said they're gonna they're gonna deliver in a big time way, and they did. And the other thing that you said was the stars are gonna show up for the Lightning, and that is true. Kucherov had two really good assists. Point had a highlight reel goal. Stamkos. What can you what say does. about that shot? I mean, Spencer play. Knight has never seen a shot like that. <laughs> That's right. For for all of the accolades that he has earned and deserved, having to move from his left to his right and deal with a stamp ghost bullet on a one-timer into the top of the net. 
and Stamkos had his best game of the series. He was he was well over fifty percent on faceoffs too. Had an assist as well on the Kalorn empty net goal. So all of that is true. And Vasilevsky had another splendid game. All of that is true. But what I came out of that game thinking about was how it was all 18 skaters. Like that was a team win. So yeah, we can say, and we can pick a lot of players. We can pick Point. We can pick Kucherov. We can pick Stamkos. We can pick Vasilevsky. We can pick... Barkley Goodrow, who I thought had a huge impact yep, yep. on the game. We can pick Ryan McDonough, who was outstanding. Outstanding, really throughout the series, but last night in particular, when you wonder, like, how are the Lightning able to get out of their own zone so cleanly so often? A lot of times it was number 27. Like, he just settled things down, and he, without fail, made the right play. I don't think he had one defensive zone miscue in that game, dealing with the Florida pressure coming at him. And his partner, Chernak, also played really well. But, like, I'm hard-pressed to think of anybody who didn't play well. Tyler Johnson had his best game in the series. I mean, the burst of speed that he put on to negate that icing and then immediately set up Maroon in front for the all-important first goal, was huge. I thought David Savard had one of his best games since coming over for the Lightning, to the Lightning. Yeah, that's a good point. Broke up a 2-on-1 in the first period. I thought he was extremely solid and steady. Phil made Sergachev his third star. So, like, you can go up and down the list, and that's kind of what John Cooper was talking about. Like, that's what it took. He didn't say Braden Point played like a champion today or Andre Vasilevsky played like a champion today. He said the boys, his whole team played that way and it wasn't 60 minutes of will and compete from half the team it was 60 minutes of will and compete from the whole team and that is what it took because the Panthers did not roll over last night and we can kind of get into how the game unfolded but but we have a, a a little bit I I think that this is a little bit of a strange dichotomy or contrast because on the one hand, we can look at Vasilevsky's performance last night. He made 29 saves. And this was not like a put-it-on-cruise-control type of game for Vasilevsky. Like some of those games he had against Dallas during the regular season where he's like, this was one of the easiest games I've ever had to play. Mm -hmm. Last night's game was not that sort of game. He had to deal with some difficult shots, and he made all the saves. He was impactful in how the lightning got that game into the win column but at the same time i also believe that it was the lightning's best defensive game in the series with a nod to game two which i think they defended well in game two but i don't think they their compete level was as high throughout game two and they didn't get it from everybody across the board in game two so i think game six was a better overall performance than game two, but they did defend well in game two. So you're kind of like, well, if they defended so well, how is it that Vasilevsky was having to make these tough saves? You know how it was possible? The Florida Panthers. They're a really good Like team. the Florida Panthers executed plays, particularly in the second period. They were bing, bing, bing up the ice and, and attacking with speed. And the lightning hung in there. Like how many times did you see a guy diving across the ice trying to get back into a play, getting a stick on a puck 
to negate a cross ace pass that might have led to a scoring chance. Well, speaking of sticks, how about Vasi not having a stick and robbing Verhage in fronts? Yeah. I mean, these are things that happen yep. that everybody, as you pointed out, Savard broke up a two on one. The Lightning were. They were playing gritty, and I don't think it's a coincidence. It's not the biggest reason, Dave, and I'll let you finish what you were saying. Getting Goodrow back, it felt like the same Lightning last year. They finally had their team intact. They were, they were able to get their fourth line the way we had talked about it, and Goodrow just gives them a different personality, more of that sandpaper. And I felt like everybody, everybody, as you pointed out, contributed. Even, like you said, Savard was playing chippy, getting into lanes. I thought he really played one of his better games as a Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, Goodrow was in the face of the Panthers all night. And I don't mean, like, mixing it up, but I mean, like, a Panther had the puck, there was Goodrow. <laughs> like, his stick was there. He was breaking up plays in all three zones. He was very noticeable. He read the play really well last night, which is something that he usually does and why he is so effective in the playoffs because he's just like disrupting plays all over the ice. The other team can't really move the puck up the ice fluidly. I felt Goodrow was really effective in that regard last night. But the Panthers were able, and I, I really felt it was more in the second period than the first and the third but in the second period, they were skating and they were executing with the puck. And they were entering the zone where you might think, uh-oh, something dangerous is happening. And either something dangerous would happen and Vasilevsky would make the save or the Lightning would really be committed to trying to break up a play with compete and will and hustle and taking the body and protecting the front of the net I mean, there were some scramble plays there where the Lightning just packed it in in front of the net, and they were not letting a Panther player get any kind of decent chance off a bouncing puck in front. And and that was the other part, too. So, like, Vasilevsky had to make some tough saves, and sometimes those tough saves led to rebounds. I am hard-pressed, Greg, to remember one solitary second chance the Panthers had in Game 6. They had some dangerous first chances when the Lightning weren't able to to bottle them up. And usually those chances came off the rush when it was five on five. We'll get to their two power plays in a second. But like when, when Vassie made the save and there was a loose puck in front, I felt like a Lightning player was able to get it. And if yeah. not get it out, at least get it away from a dangerous area. So that is how we, we come out of game six and say, yeah, Vasilevsky was really good. But also, what a great defensive performance by the Lightning. And I think the way you can get both of those is, that's how good the opposition is with the puck offensively. I think I said this to you, and I said it to Brian last night. I think you can make a strong case. And, and listen, I, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way, whether it's Carolina or Nashville, whether it's Tampa Bay playing some other team down the road, whether it's Colorado. I, I, I don't know. I think you can make the strong argument that is going to be the best offensive team Tampa Bay faces in the playoffs. And that's a compliment to the Panthers because of the way they played. You know, we talked about yeah. why did it take maybe this long for the Lightning to get this type of defensive performance? Dave, I, I, I think a lot of that is the Florida Panthers. That's a really good team with a lot of speed. And the Lightning aren't used to playing a team like that in a seven-game series. And I think before everybody says, well... 
the Lightning are terrible or in their own end. They couldn't get the puck out at times in this series, and this is just typical Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I kind of disagree with that. I understand where people want to paint a broad brush when it comes to Tampa Bay's defensive struggles, but I think they were magnified in large part because the team they played on the other end is a very good offensive team, and I think you could almost make the argument, taking a step back, these might have been the two best offensive teams in the playoffs. I understand Toronto and I understand Colorado are going to make an argument. I'm saying you can have the conversation, Dave, that these were two of the better teams offensively in the playoffs, and because of that, your defense was going to be put in some uncomfortable positions. I just thought it was nice to see the Lightning. Each game got better defensively for the most part, and their last game was their best game. And you know who else defended well last night? The Panthers. Yeah. I mean, the, the Lightning didn't have a ton of scoring chances. And if you recall, Greg, yesterday we talked about, like, how did the Panthers win game five? Well, that was not a game where there were, like, tons of scoring chances for both teams. And it was kind of like, which goalie did the better job of, yeah. of erasing those scoring chances? Understanding that some of the chances were going to lead to goals. Game five... What I said was, it may come down to a single mistake. And that single mistake may prove to be the difference because there may not be as many scoring chances as we have seen in some of the other games. And while I'm acknowledging that the Panthers had some dangerous looks in the second period, and then when they pressed in the third, they surrendered some chances to the Lightning on counters. Think of Blake Coleman's breakaway, right? Like that was due to the yeah, fact the Panthers right. were pressing. But I also feel that game five and game six were kind of similar in that regard, which may sound really weird to say because the Lightning's compete level was way, way higher yeah. in game six than it was in game five. But where the two games were kind of similar, I kind of think both teams did play better defensively in the last two games than they had earlier in the series. And what game six came down to was basically one mistake by the Panthers that they didn't hustle back and get an icing. Johnson won the race to negate the icing, and then the Lightning got a little bit of a bounce because Weger blocks the pass. It goes up in the air, and Maroon bats it out of the air. Great play by Maroon, but let's be honest, like Weger is in position, right? Sure. It, it just it didn't hit a stick right where he could get it to a, to a safe area. So that was one mistake. Not an egregious mistake, but it was enough of a mistake that the Lightning were able to cash in. And then the second mistake, which turned out to be a huge mistake, was an inexplicably dumb penalty taken by Sam Bennett in the second period. Completely needless, and it put the Lightning on the power play, and they converted, and all of a sudden, a game that is within a shot for the Panthers to get it tied... Now you're looking at 2 nothing against Bennett, a team that is really, really committed to it's defending. It's a great point by you, Dave, because Bennett was – it's a weird series for him because yeah. when he played, he was impactful, but he also committed some really dumb penalties and was suspended. And you right? know what happened right before that? It may have been on the previous shift. There was a post-whistle scrum where Gudis – Knock the helmet off of Ross Colton, but that was after the whistle. Yeah. 
and they didn't call anything and it might have been an offside. It was a weird offside because they actually put the face up back in the Tampa Bay defensive zone, which Phil and I weren't crazy about at the time because it looked like Colton brought it in. But th- that was the call they made. So Colton brought it in. It was offside. Gudis kind of hit him a little bit after the whistle. But like you can understand, like it wasn't clear that it was offside. So Colton didn't like it and they get involved and Gudis yanks his helmet off. No penalties called. But I wonder if at that point the officials are like, all right, none, no more of this. No more of this. And then Bennett yanks Savard's helmet off, and he does it while play is going on, and we know the new rule, right? Like, if that's the case, Savard either has to pick up his helmet. And that's what he was trying to do. Or go to the bench. Yeah, well, maybe he, he was. Right. But that's just, it was not a good penalty, and it turned a game that, that was a one-goal game, I'm stating the obvious here, into a two-goal game with whatever it was, under 30 minutes left. Like it was in the second half of the second period that the Lightning scored. And look, Point makes a great play on on the third goal. But at that point, like you're in desperation mode if you're the Panthers. So to me, the Lightning won that game because they converted on a couple of isolated mistakes by the Panthers. And to the extent that the Lightning had a few miscues, Vasilevsky was able to stop, stop the shots that ensued from that. But how is that... How is all? How is any of that all that different from Game Five? Right? Sure. Like the Lightning made an isolated mistake on the Marchment goal, and and that was your ball game. So I, I think that that was where Games Five and Six, while they they look different, and 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 they were played differently, and the storylines were different. I think those two games were more like what we have come to expect from playoff games typical playoff games than some of the games earlier in the series where it was kind of like, you know, you get the lead, but but there may be too much time left and you yeah. may not hold on to it, right? Sure. Now it's it's going to come down to a, a single solitary mistake maybe, and, so, and that could be the difference in the game. Almost, and you make you bring up some good points. I want to get to... But, but the, my point overall was the Panthers actually had a pretty good defensive game overall. They did. And, Two I, and last I, night, like how many tough saves did Spencer Knight have to make until the end of the game when when the Lightning had some counter chances? Sure. Like, so you know, he had, had to make some, a couple, chances, but it's not like yeah. the Lightning had twenty scoring chances last. And night. And I wonder if that was a product of just Knight being a rookie too. You know, we talked about the effect in the previous game. Like he was good. I didn't think he was great, but maybe that's what all they needed was somebody to be good. I, I want to get to. Dave, I, I, there's a couple of scenarios, situations in that second period that I want to touch on. I know I'm generalizing here because you talked about Knight and we had talked about Bobrovsky and Drieger. Drieger maybe not as much as Bobrovsky that I, I didn't think he was terrible in this series. And we can get into the discussion about looking back on it. If Joel Quenville was thinking in the back of his mind at some point that Knight should get an opportunity to play or that he was going to have a shorter leash with his first two goaltenders, are you more inclined to go with Knight maybe a little earlier in that series? And does it take on a different feel? I, I don't know. That's a hypothetical. Probably something Quenville and his coaching staff are going to look at in the offseason. But certainly next year, I think from Florida's perspective, do you have a rookie basically as your netminder to start and a really expensive backup? I don't know. That's That's a question for them. But I think the fact that you pulled a guy who you're paying millions and millions of dollars to – 
and he still has a lot of term left on his contract. Even though he most, wasn't even backing up, Greg. I know, I know. He didn't even I, he look, didn't even put on his uniform. for yes, games I, five and it, six. It's a good point. I, I don't know what they do. I, I think that number is going to be hard to get away from. And you know, Bobrov, like we said, I want to I want to be fair to Bobrovsky. I didn't think he was terrible. Me neither. <laughs> in, in fairness to him, I, I I don't know where he fits in with the Panthers, but that contract to me is going to make it feel like he's going to have to be on the team. Now, if he ends up being a really expensive backup, then so be it until you can figure out what you want to do. But my point is, there's two I want to make. Kind of a microcosm, maybe, of how this series played out. We talked about Bobrovsky, thought he was good. You know, if you want to look at all the goals he gave up, can you really fault him on any of them? And, And probably not. But the deflection late in the second period... And you remember it very well. Sam Bennett throws a shot off Sergachev. Yeah. One second late. remaining. <laughs> yes, less than a second. <laughs> Serg- or Vasi makes that save. Yeah. That's one of those where if it went in, you probably would have been like, boy, that's just bad luck. I mean, what are you going to do? I felt like in some ways that play, when we evaluate the goaltending in the series, is kind of a microcosm of how it went. You Sure. You look at Bobrovsky's goals that he gave up on the majority of them. But you know what? On the flip side, Vassy made some of those saves. Yeah. And it's okay for Bobrovsky to make some of those saves that sometimes, Dave, you need your goaltender to make. Whether it was a crazy deflection, whether it was a perfect shot. I mean, that deflection, again, if it goes in... Not only does it give Florida tremendous momentum heading into the third period, but we all would have looked at that goal and said, that's just a bad luck. That's the only way you're going to beat Vassy is if it's a deflection. But make a save. And maybe that's what separates a team like Tampa Bay and a team like the Florida Panthers. Vassy well, we were, will we make were that talking, save. We were talking before the show. So I, I'm in agreement with you. Bobrovsky gave up 10 goals. In a little more than, than, well, it wasn't a little more than two games because he got pulled in game number four. But yeah. He gave up five goals in game one. He gave up five goals in game four. He gave up no goals in relief in the third period of game three in overtime. So of the 10 goals he allowed, I'm not sure that we would term any of them, quote unquote, bad goals. Correct. A couple went through him, like the Coleman shorthanded goal, which was the first goal of the series between his arm and his body, but it is an in-alone chance, right? So here's what we can never answer. Would Spencer Knight have stopped any of those? We don't know, but that's kind of what you're saying. Like Vasilevsky was able to make some saves on some tough plays, let's say. <laughs> plays where the goalie, it's up to the goalie, right? Because like, something else has happened yes. where the puck may be going in the net and it's up to the goalie to, to make sure it You're doesn't. You're just going to have to make a save. Right. And I go back to what you said on an earlier show when we were into the series, and this was after, it must have been before game five when, when we knew Knight was coming in. You're like, I'm not sure if anybody could have stopped the shots that Bobrovsky saw in game four specifically. And so if that's the case, maybe Spencer Knight or Andre Vasilevsky or Sergei Bobrovsky or Chris Drieger or whoever you want is going to have a hard time making the saves on those particular lightning shots. You were referencing game number four. Yeah, I remember the, the game in which deflection. he was. Yeah, the yeah, game in which yeah. he was pulled. Correct. We'll never know. We'll never know. I mean... <laughs> 
I think what you had said, if the Panthers don't come back and win the series after making the move to Spencer Knight, would Joel Quinville go back and, and think it was too much musical cheers with the goalies? And, and now that we're through the series, I'm not sure that he's going to think too much musical cheers like I switched goalies too much. But what he may think about, and I think this for sure is going to be the narrative in Pantherland, he should have gone to Knight sooner. And maybe he should have started the series with Knight. Now, that would have been bold to do that. But if he had questions lingering about Bobrovsky, and I don't know that he did, but based on how the series unfolded, it's clear that Bobrovsky had had a short leash, and when they decided they were going with Knight, he didn't even have Bobrovsky back up in case something happened tonight. Like, he struggles a little bit. Like, they're putting in Drieger, not not Bobrovsky. And then Drieger had this really good regular season, but kind of funny to say, like, he's 27 and Knight is 20. Like, Knight has more extensive, high-pressure goaltending experience than Drieger. His last playoff performance was in the WHL. Yeah. Remember, we read that stat. Spencer Knight played in the World Junior Championships and shut out Canada in the gold medal game and has played in NCAA playoff games for Boston College. So, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, if we're coming at it from the Panthers' perspective, you might say, well, maybe Q should have just said, I don't care what the contract status is of these goalies. We've seen Spencer Knight play four games. He's our guy. We're starting him. <laughs> that would have been bold for sure. And maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe it wouldn't. We just can't. We don't know. We don't know how how it would have unfolded had Knight been the goalie. But I think that is that is kind of the lingering storyline or like if I had a mulligan to do it over again, it wouldn't be maybe I should have just stuck with Bobrovsky and not change goalie so much I think I think it probably and this is leading us to where the Panthers are probably going to be heading next year because they have this first round pick the guy looked great he looked great he he's not only a good goalie he's extremely poised he's confident he's he's unflappable he's a student of the game I was reading that that you know Quenville's like he's gonna he's gonna learn from this experience like he is their guy clearly I don't know if it's going to be as soon as next year, but but he is going to be their guy. He is going to be their Vasilevsky. It's not going to be a situation where they're going to have a 1A, 1B a couple of years down the road. Spencer Knight is the Florida Panthers goalie for the foreseeable future. Now, I don't know if that starts as soon as next year, but if that's the case, I think the Panthers are, are thinking about this. And when I say the Panthers, I'm not saying Bill Zito or Joel Quenville necessarily, but Panther Nation, the, the view from kind of the 30,000-foot vantage point after the series is Knight should have been in there earlier. Well, you know what it is, Dave, too? And again, I, I think Joel Quenville, we, we got an idea of, of what he was thinking. He clearly didn't have the confidence in those first two goaltenders, meeting Bobrovsky and Drieger, that you typically would from a team who's in the playoffs who thought maybe they had a chance to run the table. I mean, the fact that he had that short of a leash with his first two goaltenders and entertained playing his rookie netminder against arguably the best team in the league, 
you can make a case that he probably should have gone tonight earlier. Because if you're going to pull Bobrovsky and Drieger that quickly and make those type of changes and shuffle around, it did speak to some sort of panic involved. And if that's the case, let's just start the process of playing your franchise goaltender sooner rather than later. I mean, the experience that Knight can take from those two games will be invaluable. It'll be invaluable for his development heading into next year. And I would assume, based off of who you ended the season with, he should be the guy you begin next season. Well, it's with. easy to say with 2020 hindsight. What if he starts night and night struggles and now you're down in the series because you made this decision? You're like, we had a chance to win the Stanley Cup and why did we not play this two times? And that's Vesna fair. Winner? And that's why I said I, I and, probably. But, but you know what? That That's why these decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Like no. you. And I don't wouldn't want to say that that the Panthers made a decision based on like how it would look if it didn't go right. Yeah. But. You know, it's not just we really think Spencer Knight is the goalie of the future for us. He's looked really good in four games. Let's throw him in there because we have more confidence in him. Like, it's not as simple as that, I think. No, I I, I think I was saying maybe you 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 bumped him up a little sooner. I think you were saying that as well. Yeah. I think that's that's probably. I'm, I'm saying, not I saying think that's how Panther and that's fans. fine. Panther Nation is looking at the series saying if only. Knight had been in sooner, we wouldn't have given up so many goals, and the series might have flipped. And, and, I also and they think, may be right, but we listen, just don't know. I also think there is something to the fact that these two games, even though game six, more pressure than game five for Knight, he still was playing with house money. Because I, I do think the expectations were, look, you're a young goaltender, you're thrown in this, we're down, we just need a spark if you lose. I, what more can you do if you win? Boy, you're going to look really good. I want to see him, like most, I want to see him perform when he's the guy and the playoffs start next year, assuming Florida makes it. And how is he going to react if he gives up a few goals in game one or game two? Yeah. I think this is a good start, but I think like any goaltender, and we can, there's numerous examples of goaltenders who have come in and played well, then the book's on them from other teams, and now you've got to adjust, and there's some struggle involved. So I, I, I think for me it's clear Knight is their guy next year. I think their question is what do they do with their backups? Do you want an expensive one? Are you going to go with a guy who is a journeyman in terms of you know really didn't establish himself in the National Hockey League until 26 or 27? Those are questions that Florida is going to have to answer, but I think clearly I think they're on the right path, and they found, they found a guy that they believe – can be their Vasilevsky, as you said, for the next 10 years. Whether he ends up being that guy, Dave, I don't know. What's great about the Lightning, and that's why I said at the beginning of the show, where they have the advantage in every series, whether it's a big advantage or a small advantage, is Vasilevsky, Point, and Kucherov. And I want to get back to Point and Kucherov for just a second. Tampa Bay scored how many power play goals in this series, Dave? Eight. Eight. That was a difference, too. Yeah. Had been I mean, seven assists. Seven assists. Now, the Panthers, we can make the case... Did you feel like they adjusted a bit on the power pl- on the penalty kill last night in terms of pressuring Kucherov a bit more? Brian had picked up on that. Basically, well, they tried, didn't give us much room, but you know they still got the puck around to Stamkos. They did, and and that's and why Stamkos barely missed on the first power play. He did, but that was a product of them really trying to take Kucherov out of the play. But because of his ability, you do that at your own peril, though. You do, and that's why he was so effective in this series and that's why the lightning are going to be so tough to handle because Kucherov 
his hockey IQ offensively is off the charts. I mean, this Lightning team was good before he came back from his injury. They took it to another level to the point where the Panthers, it took them a while to adjust. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident saying they never really got comfortable facing Kucherov on that power play. Then you factor in Hedman was able to be a bit better with his passes over to Stamkos. And Stamkos was able to get the one-timer. This series, and we talked about it, Dave, before the series started. Where could Stamkos and Kucherov make the biggest impact initially coming off the injuries? We had said the power play. Now, we didn't know they were going to be that dominant on the power play. But look at look at how this series went. The Lightning were just really good on the power play. You score eight power play goals. My goodness. Yeah. And then they were disciplined in game six. They only took two yeah, penalties. Yeah, they were. They were. So special teams we, was a we've big had deal. A feeling, we had a feeling the Lightning would definitely stay away from any of the post-whistle stuff. Because they knew that was hammered in from the coach. No doubt. No dumb penalties. No doubt. And I think, you know, that's why when we talked about what type of performance were we hoping to see in game six, all of that factored in. I thought the Lightning were going to be disciplined. We had talked about Tampa Bay and their their power play being a bit better. We didn't know Goodrose coming back. And the fact that he did come back really complimented Tampa Bay's ability to go four lines. And look, I think we found out that, you know, there was that question, if Goodrow comes back and Tampa Bay's fully healthy, which player is going to sit? And there was a lot of talk about Ross Colton. Would he be that guy? Yeah, Matthew David, Joseph. David, it ends up being Matthew Joseph. Mm-hmm. So now we know that answer. And I think, look, in many ways, we thought Tyler Johnson was going to be that guy that stayed in for the various reasons we gave. John Cooper is very comfortable with Tyler Johnson. And you know what? I, he I played be a comp- great game. Listen, I want to be blunt. Night. I want to be very blunt. Tyler Johnson finally rewarded his coach's confidence in him. Yeah. In a game where he was very noticeable. Very noticeable, Dave. And if he plays like that, I have no problem keeping him in the lineup. Because Johnson can be a difference in the playoffs. We've seen it before. And that speed played out last night. If he can do that along with Colton and then Maroon gives you some of that grit in front and with his hands in tight can really give you a different feel. Now the Lightning, you're seeing why... They have as good a chance as anybody to repeat. It's a full complement of forwards who do things extremely well. And even as Brian pointed out last night, Dave, and we had talked about, you know, Sorelli's line. Kalorn had an excellent series. Yeah. Sorelli was getting chances towards the latter part Sorelli, of the series. Sorelli looked like, I mean, I, I think we've noticed this from him down the stretch in the regular season and at points in the series, but it was, it was at its most noticeable last night how hard he was on pucks. I'm not sure he lost a puck battle last night. I think you're absolutely right. There's no question about that. And again, we talk about the the star players performing, and then now you get into the role players. Kulorn is playing at a high level. Sorelli's starting to play at a high level. You mentioned McDonough, who was phenomenal. And you know what? Chernak and McDonough, I think for the most part in five-on-five situations, Dave, throughout that series, were charged with going against the Barkov line. How many even strength goals did the Barkoff line have? Yeah, I heard Might Brian mention that. I actually did you, did have you? I actually have some thoughts on that. Do you want to do that on the other side of the break? We'll yeah, take a break and maybe that. come back let's to that. Do Why don't that. we do that? Because I, I want to get your thoughts on that. I do want to get back to maybe one of the pivotal t- moments in this game. It happened right before the Stamkos goal. We'll get into that. And we're taking your questions at Bolts Radio, recapping Tampa Bay's Game 6 win last night at Amelie Arena. 
impressive performance by the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Ersnick is producing. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Final 10. Strom in a clear. Down the near side, the length of the ice. Andre Vasilovsky is going to leave the puck for Sergachev behind the Lightning net. It's another shutout in an elimination game for Andre Vasilevsky. Wow. Just like in the Stanley Cup final, game six. Tonight, 29 saves. The Lightning beat the Panthers 4-0 in game six. They win the series four games to two, and they are on to the second round. Dave, that never gets old when you clinch a playoff series and you advance. I mean, even though the Lightning have a lot of expectations and... We know what they're capable of doing. As we know in the playoffs, it is hard to win four games. And, you know, for me, I think when I look at at this Lightning team and when I tell fans this, enjoy this ride. Enjoy it. Because this, I think, is the golden era of Tampa Bay hockey. You can go all the way back to when they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks a few years ago in the Stanley Cup Finals. Just kind of this run that they've been on where – they're constantly in contention. Yep. And at some point, the window is going to close. We hope it's not for another 10 years. Certainly with Vasilevsky and Net, you hope it stays open beyond that. But each time you advance, I think it's it's nice to say, you know what, let's celebrate a bit here. And maybe we take a day or two to, to look at what we did and, and acknowledge some of the faults. But also the fact that we should be happy about what we did. And now we can kick back and watch the other series and have these teams beat each other up but I, I just hope I just hope fans are able to enjoy it it's fun listening to that call there at the end and it, it, I think it speaks to how hard it can be to win all the time you know I'm, I'm gonna go off tangent here for a second but I'm Please reminded do. of a column I did this was when the Red Wings had had their playoff streak reach 21 seasons yeah so whatever year that was, it was like the early 2010s, probably. And they started the streak in 1991 postseason. Of course, we missed the 0405 season. So probably we're looking at like 2012. I think I wrote I wrote this column and I went back and looked at the 20 seasons that they had made the playoffs in a row. And they had had some phenomenal teams. They won four cups in those 20 years. Back yep. to back, ninety-seven and ninety-eight, oh two, and then oh eight. So that's four of the twenty. Then they lost twice in the finals. They lost to the Devils in ninety-five, and they lost to the Penguins in oh nine. So that's six. And then there were two other years that they lost in the conference finals. So by any measure, like that's fantastic, right? Like that's an incredible run. 23 years of making the playoffs, four Stanley Cups, two other finals appearances, a couple more in the conference finals. You know what also that means, though, Greg? And this is the point of the column. Yeah. There were 12 years that the Red Wings lost in either the first or second round. Mm. Now, some of that was at the beginning when they were building up, and some of that was kind of nearer toward the end, right? (laughs) Although I think I only wrote it a couple of years after they had lost to the Penguins in 09. But I think it really illustrates how hard it is to win in the playoffs. Like, if we're going to view the Red Wings in that 25-year stretch where they made the playoffs every year, and they had a dynasty. I mean, they did. You win four cups in a generation. Yeah. 
that's I mean that started with Iserman and, and finished after he had he had retired but nonetheless like they bridged Iserman to Nick Lidstrom Datsuk Zetterberg Fedorov I mean the whole kit and caboodle and they went out in the first or second round more than 50 percent of the time in the 20 years sure. and then it and in, increased because as we move forward they were losing more in the first round so I, I think that backs up what you're saying, like enjoy every triumph. You know who's going through that right now, not to get off on a tangent, but to, to your point, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, you take a look at where they were in 2016, 2017. The last couple of years, they've been bounced in the first round. I think they've won only two playoff games. There's a lot of questions about breaking up the big three in Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. They've made the playoffs, I think, for 15 straight years. They've won yeah. three cups during that time. That window looks like it is closing. And that is a hard pill to swallow for a franchise that's won a lot. But doesn't it show, Greg, how these playoff series can yeah. can swing on the, I don't want to say the bounce of a puck, but the Islanders won two of those games in overtime. They those did. games could have easily gone look, the other way, right? And, you know, and you're, you're absolutely right. You know what the difference in that series was? Goaltending. Yeah. Tristan Jari was just abysmal. Sorokin was phenomenal. Varlamov actually lost the two games in that series, Trotz goes back to Sorokin. Again, we kind of bring it back to this series. I don't know if the Panthers goaltender, like if you were to give the Panthers goaltenders an overall grade, I think it'd be above passing. Yeah. I think you could sit there and say C plus, maybe B. You know, understanding that Bobrovsky and Drieger did take some losses, so did Knight, but Knight you felt like stabilized things. But you know what? The guy on the other end was consistently grading A. A plus, and that's really tough to beat. I, I mentioned I want to get to this before we get to some other points. Well, hold on because yeah, I just want to bring this up because this was a quote I'm reading from Quenville, which I think I think is really illuminating to your point. Quenville post game quote: I thought all year long we were pretty consistent in being involved, getting points every night, playing hard night in night out. No argument there. Our depth, we pushed one another in a productive way. No question. I think Sam Bennett and some of the later additions made us a deeper team. No question. Here's here's the money line, though. Offensively, we've been good. Defensively, I think we've had some good stretches. But our team game, I thought, really improved. He is acknowledging that the Panthers have some work to do defensively. And that goes to the fact that they put their goalies in a really tough spot for much of this series. Yeah. They did. And I would agree with you. I would give the Panthers goaltending a passing grade. Like, remember, I made that... <laughs> I don't know how good of an analogy it was. I talked about the officials in Game 4 bringing a bucket to Niagara Falls and trying to let yeah, the water... Right. Prevent, prevent the water from, from, from hitting the ground or hitting the rest of the water if you're in Niagara Falls. Like... On some level, for much of the series, it was kind of like that for Vasilevsky and the Florida goalies. They were dealing with some tremendous scoring chances against. And by and large, not, not just by and large, Vasilevsky did a better job of not letting those chances turn into goals at a higher clip than the Panthers' goalies, which is why and how the Panthers, for much of the series, had more scoring chances than the Lightning, but were getting outscored yeah. cumulatively. That's how they did it. 
So we're going to say, all right, well, it's tough on a goalie to make a save on a Grady scoring chance, but sometimes you need your goalies to do that. And I think that from, right. from, from the Panthers' perspective, and I've said this about the Lightning, you need to make life easier on your goalies. The Lightning don't want to have to lean on Vasilevsky as much as they had to at points in the series. Now, as we have said repeatedly, like some of that is the opposition, but it's much more preferable to not have to ask your goalie to do that. And the Panthers asked a lot of their goaltending yep. in this series. I do want to get to the Barkov question. And I'm going to include Carter Hagee in this as well because they played together five on five. So I heard Brian's comment after the game. He was talking about McDonough and Chernak and the job they did five on five. Yeah. Seeing a lot of Barkov's line during the series. And Brian is correct. Barkov had seven points in six games, but four of those came in the power play. He only had three even strength points through six games, three assists, and he finished minus eight. Verhage in six games had three points, two goals and an assist. He finished minus three. Look, the stats don't lie, right? And I think I had said at the start of this series and even before the Lightning knew they were playing the Panthers, talking about the Panthers, like any team that gets past the Panthers has to find a way to to somewhat limit Barkov. They are a deep team, and and they can beat you with more than Barkov. And I think I, I do need to kind of amend how I had classified them Earlier, I still don't think they come at you in waves like Carolina can in terms of their forward attack. They are a deep team, though, and they were a really solid team, and they can get offense from sources other than Barkov. But Barkov is their most dangerous player, and the Lightning, at the end of the day, did a successful job limiting him to three points in six games, five on five, and he finished minus eight. That's that's surprising frankly, to, to see those numbers right. from Barkov. But did they really shut him down? I thought Barkov's quietest game was game three, and he missed part of the first period with an injury. He was pretty darn dynamic in the other games. So I think that this goes to, it ties in with the Vasilevsky question. Like, Barkov created a lot for the Panthers. A lot. And Vasilevsky was the main reason, I think, why that's Barkov fair. That's fair. didn't have more success yeah, in the series. Fair. With acknowledging that McDonough and Chernak did a really good job against that line. I think Carter Hagee had a great series. He was he, he was, was extremely phenomenal. dynamic. He was dangerous. With the all puck in the series. offensive yeah, zone. He was so when you good. look at their numbers, frankly, it's surprising based on how I don't want to say how well they played, because they took some minuses. So it may have been they were really impressive offensively, not so much defensively when the lighting had the puck against them. But in terms of playing with the puck in the offensive zone, Barkov and Verhage had a very productive series. They just didn't get rewarded. It's just the guy. And they why were going did they against. not get rewarded? I think a yeah. lot of it has to do with Vasilevsky. So I want to get back to, and this speaks to your point. There was before that Bennett roughing minor on Savard. The Panthers had four, I thought, at least I jotted them down, Dave, glorious scoring opportunities. The yeah. one came after the power play on McDonough. 
McDonough takes the pa- the penalty at 18.07. 16.28, Hornquist in front. Had a really good opportunity. Then Vassy at around the 16-minute mark. So this was the, the one area maybe where there was a little bit of a consistent attack. It wasn't one yeah. and done. When you say 16-minute mark, you're four minutes into four the minutes period. In the, yes, so four minutes into the game. So early into the second. Yes. Yeah. Then he robs Verhage in front without a stick. Then if you remember at the 10-minute mark, Barkov has that chance, right, on a 2-on-1. Yep. And he elects to go back. And well, not only gets a shot off. There. Yeah, there was a defender that kind of yeah. got with Barkov and kind of just tried to get in the way a little bit. Yeah. But, but you're Phil right. Couldn't he, I think believe. he tried to go to Marchman, right? At yeah. The, Phil, the back I mean, post. at that point, shoot the puck. I mean, I understand Vassy's had your number, but I mean, he did some dangling there, and I thought he was going to. But I think it ended up being like a backhand pass. I mean, it was just. It was on Barkov like, but maybe that's more on Vassy being in his head a bit than it was, you know, Barkov not shooting. And then uh, at about the nine minute mark, Hornquist had a really good shot coming yeah. down the right side. So those were four golden opportunities the Panthers had. Bennett then takes that penalty, Stammer the one timer, and it's two nothing. And then you take that save that Vassy made with one second remaining in the second period off the deflection off Sergachev. And, you know, I don't want to say that was the ball game because obviously he had another period there. But that was some good sustained pressure, I thought, even though maybe it, it didn't come in waves by the Panthers where there were some glorious scoring opportunities yeah, they had and a, they couldn't beat them. They had a pretty productive second period in terms yeah. of being able to skate and attack the Lightning's end with speed and, and generate some looks that might have been dangerous but but kind of got foiled at the last second. Or they had a shot and Vassy made the save. I'm just looking at the final numbers. So... Hornquist led the Panthers in the series in terms of shots on goal with 22. Barkov was right behind him with 20. Yeah. So Barkov scored one goal on 20 shots. It's incredible. And I guess I'm, I'm wondering, like, if we were to spitball, how many of those 19 shots that didn't go in the net were fairly dangerous? Mm-hmm. And I, I think a fair number of them were dangerous. Without remembering all 19... It's not like Barkov was just flipping pucks to the net. Like, he was drilling shots. He had won in overtime, the game that the Panthers won. Remember that right? right No, you're right. You're right. You know, we talked about Spencer Knight building off of these two games, Dave, and you got to start somewhere with a a rookie netminder. It is because Vassy was asked this after the game about, you know, what did he learn from Ben Bishop and his ability to close out series, particularly shutouts, and – it is pretty incredible when you look at Vassy's career, still a, a relatively young guy who is maybe just approaching or is in the very early stages of the prime of his career, how much experience he has had in the playoffs, and it goes all the way back to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, yep. how many years ago is that, five? Yeah. I mean, think about that, where he got his feet wet, played pretty well, but then, I mean, that, that's the, the maturation process of an elite goaltender like Vassy. I mean, you know, it, it took him a little bit. He got some exposure, still had to wait his turn behind Ben Bishop. And Ben Bishop is far better uh, at that point in his career than Bobrovsky and Trigger are right now. So you understand Vassy having to back up a bit. But when the decision was made to let Bishop go and go with Vassy, he had had some playoff experience. He had had uh, some good time in the NHL. And then, you know, look, even in the playoffs where you get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets a couple of years ago, you go through some of those struggles, but you still maintain your elite level. And it culminates in a Stanley Cup run last year and what he was able to do last night. It's going to be a process for Knight. 
Yeah. And it's good for them that they started that, I think, this year. And, you know, looking back on it in, in two or three years, if, if the Panthers have some more success, they can look back and say, well, look, Knight, remember, he got his start against the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one and played well. You know, I mean, that's how they have to look at that probably moving forward. It's not always a straight line trajectory yeah. for these young goalies to superstardom. And even for Vasilevsky, so he had the brief appearance in the Stanley Cup final when Bishop was injured. He came to relief in one game and started game four. And then he got, aside from his backup role, he got extensive work in the 2016 series against the Penguins because Bishop got hurt in the first game and Vasilevsky played the rest and was outstanding in that series. Like, as we've talked about, Greg, he was probably the biggest reason why that series went to seven games. That's how good he was. So then the next year, 16-17, is a weird year before Bishop got traded, the Lightning were transitioning from Bishop being the starter and Vasilevsky to being the backup to kind of both guys playing closer to 50%. And I don't know if that factored in, but Vasilevsky had a really rough patch at one point during that regular season, which coincided with the Lightning struggling because they struggled in the middle part of that year, which is why they ended up missing the playoffs. They had a furious finish and missed by a point but I remember there was a stretch in like December January like Vasilevsky was was struggling with his game and part of it may have been like once Bishop was traded then it was clear it was his net yeah. and clearly the next year he had a great year 17-18 the Lightning were back in the playoffs and again they got to the conference final but that was different like, it was different than coming in in a playoff series where the emotions are running high. You know, you're you're kind of the surprise guy because of an injury. In this case, they put Knight in because they wanted to play him. It wasn't due to an injury. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Spencer Knight still has a lot to learn at the sure. NHL level in terms of the grind of being the number one guy in a regular season. He's never played more than, you know, what, 35, 40 games in a season now he's looking at playing a lot more than that facing great competition yeah. each and every night like that's all he's going to learn that and that's part of a goalie's growth but look at carter hart you know carter hart had a rough year this year yeah does that mean that he's a terrible goalie no probably no, i'm joking i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> you're letting your pittsburgh bias I'm come through that's there right. but you know what i'm saying like that can sure. happen Carey Price. Yeah, right. Carey Price had had some rough years early in his career before. Mark Andre kind of Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury had some rough off. moments. I mean, yeah. the, elite goaltenders sometimes you're going to have that. That may not happen for Spencer Knight. We're kind of presuming yeah, right. he's going to be in their net pretty much <laughs> regularly from here on out, which may be premature. He may just take off. That's certainly possible. But yeah. if. If there are struggles, it doesn't mean that the goalie is no longer a good goalie. It just means that there is an adjustment period. It's no small thing to be a number one goalie at the NHL level and and play in an extremely high level consistently year in, year out. Correct. No doubt. You know, I was thinking about this, too, before we end the show. I'm not looking ahead to next year. I'm just looking at the division. I mean, if they go back to the regular divisions, I mean, you are going to have some elite teams in this division. Yeah. You are going to have some elite teams. What Florida has done this year, if they get that goaltending. Remember I, I had told you the difference I thought 
between Tampa Bay and the other teams in this division was I thought heads and shoulders better at the, the goaltender position than really anywhere else. Now, maybe Carolina's answering some of those questions with what they're doing. The Panthers maybe have found Spencer Knights. You know, we've, we've broken that down. Right. Carolina's going back to the Metro division, though. That's true. That's right. That's right. What am I thinking, Dave? Regardless, it's going but to be. But no, you're I bringing think, up. Look, Boston is still a top team. They're elites. Toronto yeah. has showed a lot this year. They have. They That's have four right there. Four right off the bat, and it's going to be a dogfight. So, and some of that, but the reason why with Florida now, and why they're going to be a bear, is if you know maybe they found something here with their goaltenders, and if they can build off of the team they assembled this year. Yeah. They're going to be tough, and uh, that makes it fun because now you have that in-state rival that we can legitimately talk about being a rivalry, and those things are born through the playoffs. I don't care what anybody tells you. They're born through the playoffs, and now we got a taste of it, and we'll see how that plays out moving forward. Dave, it, was a very, it was a very entertaining series. It was. I mean, I, I, whether you're a Lightning fan or a Panthers fan, that was it, an extremely entertaining, entertaining series. Entertaining, and I'll tell you right now, with all due respect to, to any series that's going to go seven or you know with Carolina and Nashville, I thought the hardest series for both teams. I think that was the most difficult first-round matchup that we had out there in the NHL. The Panthers and the Lightning both could have made the argument that they could make deep runs in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, for more obvious reasons than the Panthers, but up and down, you had some really skilled players. And, you know, kudos to the Panthers for the year they had. But the difference was just enough on the Lightning side to advance. And now they can sit back and watch what happens in the next round. Dave, this was good stuff. We'll watch uh, Carolina and Nashville tonight. We'll see how that plays out. And then we'll do it again tomorrow, noon to one. Talk to you tomorrow. Dave Mishkin right there, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one, right here on Lightning Power Play.